0: everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Second Career Devs. I'm your host, Kyle Shevlin. Second Career Devs shares the stories of people who have changed their lives by changing their careers to software engineering or web development. As I like to say, it's about the road less traveled and the lessons learned along the way. This episode, I'm joined by Kurt Kempel, a dev rel for AWS Cloud, who took a unique alternative path to where he is today, Kurt shares some incredible insights and lessons that could only come from a journey such as his. If you think I'm being coy, you're not wrong. I just think it's best that he introduce his story to you himself. So on with the episode. Hi, Kurt. Hey, how's it going, Kyle? It's going well. I'm really glad to get you onto the podcast today. This is going to be, uh, I think, an excellent episode. And, you know, just from getting to know you over these last few years, uh, I think your story is really impressive. And I'm really excited to share it with our audience.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, I, I've been a huge fan of this podcast. Uh, I love to see people, you know, stepping outside of their comfort zone uh, and and willing to take big risks. Um, and so, yeah, you know, this this podcast has really spoken to me a lot. So,
0: yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm I'm glad the podcast has spoken to you, um, and I'm glad it's spoken to the audience in general. It's it's always amazing even to me to see these stories resonate with people. So to that end, let's uh let's introduce you to the audience. Tell us what your uh, your full name is, who you are, what you do and uh what's what's this previous uh career or life we're going to talk about today.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So um, my name is Curtis Kemple. Uh, I am a uh, software developer, right? I guess you say full stack developer. Uh, Mostly, I I end up in the front end, but like to work across, you know, the whole stack. Um, Yeah, and yeah, and you know, uh, a little bit about me. uh, Lately, I've been getting uh, really back into like fitness and and CrossFit that really helps with my depression, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a little bit. Um, But yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I've been doing that. Uh, I can also be found longboarding and I just moved to Virginia beach recently, which, uh, is awesome. I'm I'm loving it here. So.
0: All right. Nice. So you, you moved to Virginia. There's some hobbies for you. Hopefully you can see them, uh, longboarding along the beach. One of these days, folks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So full stack dev, I mean, that's selling it short to some degree. You've done some amazing work. You, uh, I personally think you really turned around the MLS uh, engineering organization as an amazing team lead. You've. You've you've gotten a bunch of really awesome uh, devs and engineers that kind of came on and have done nothing but succeed since, and uh, you did some really great work there. So don't. I, I know you're not. I know you're just being humble, but I would never let you sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a very
1: rewarding part of my career. Honestly, the most rewarding yet to date uh, is just like seeing uh, people succeed. I love to help other people succeed. I think a lot of that has to do with my past and how much I struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so just, you know, seeing other people um, be successful and helping them do that is just amazing. I try to be the person... Who I wish I had around, you know, not even just in my development career, but around my whole life. Right. Um,
0: You know. Right. That makes sense to me. And uh, you know, just for the years that I've known you, I think you're a a quality person, and probably because of the life events we're going to get into. So why don't we? Why don't we take a moment to get into this? We kind of have a slightly different story arc today. Most of the time on second career devs, we focus on a previous career, but to call what you went through a career wouldn't really make much sense. Uh, you went through something pretty traumatic and uh, a very difficult time in your life. Uh, can, you, can you share what happened to you? And, and we'll start to parse that event for you. Yeah, for sure.
1: So, uh, growing up, uh, I dealt a lot with uh, depression and uh, drug addiction, drug abuse. uh, And that led me to make some really poor choices in my life, which landed me in prison. Uh, And I spent the majority of my 20s incarcerated
0: Mm.
1: uh, from about 22 to 28. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a very big struggle. Uh, Yeah. And before that, I just worked odd jobs. You know, I had no real direction. I, I never really thought I would, you know, really be much of anything Mm. Uh, and some people do make that a career right you have career criminals and like uh, you know it was a real hard struggle to not fall into that trap Um, but I I, I put a lot of work in place uh, to make sure that um, you know that that wouldn't happen to me when I was released
0: right 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 so uh, before we talk about like what happened during prison and leading up to getting into a good place in release, can we talk a little bit about like the circumstances that kind of led you to wind up in prison? Are you okay with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's nothing that I you know that it, uh, I haven't already told um, to the world, which was the scariest moment uh, I think of my life uh, up until this point.
0: Right. Just just so the audience knows, uh, we're referring to an article Curtis put out last year that I'll put in the show notes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in that article, you know, I go through essentially what I'm going to go through here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, swinging back to the drug abuse and drug addiction, uh, you know, I, I struggled uh, with like heavy drugs. Uh, I was, you know, selling drugs to, to, to do more drugs. Uh, and I developed a really bad habit with Xanax, which is a prescription drug that's actually used uh, to help people um, deal with anxiety. Right. 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 And when used properly is, you know, I guess, okay. Um, I'm not a huge fan, but obviously I'm a bit biased there. You know, it's like you get bit by a dog (laughs) and you might become a little, uh, you know, adverse to dogs. Wary of dogs. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, Xanax has a side effect that uh, if you take too much of it, you can often black out. Uh, And you'll do a lot of things that you don't remember. And even though this was happening to me, I continued to use it. Um, And yeah, so I ended up actually um, uh, robbing a bank with a note. Hmm. Uh and then yeah, that landed me in prison for almost seven years. Like I don't remember it. I woke up in jail. Uh, I had no idea.
0: Just walking up to a teller, you don't remember, and then just have a piece of paper saying I'm robbing you, and the next thing you do, you wake up in in jail.
1: I don't remember the event at all. Still, I have no recollection of it. Wow. Uh, the only information that I could get about it was actually in my discovery, like what the um, uh, district's attorney's office puts together the information about the case. Right. Uh, yeah, and in there, it just said I walked up to a teller, you know, and handed them a note. Uh, so yeah, that's.
0: How scary is that that you like like I I don't maybe scary isn't the right word. Maybe you were in such a state in your life that fear wasn't really part of it, but like my brain is thinking, like, holy crap, I did this illegal thing that's now gonna drastically change my life and I can't even remember it. Was there any sense of like fear or scary scariness there or anything?
1: Yeah. So when I first woke up and I was in jail, the scariness wasn't around what I had done because I was unaware mm. what I had done. Right, right. What was scary was waking up in that environment. Okay. Uh, you know, so I was, you know, packed in like this, like uh, holding self, like 20 other people. Holy shit. Uh, 20 other inmates, you know, and I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm wearing an orange jumpsuit. I have no idea what's going on. My head hurts. Oh, I had like this big burn on my leg. Apparently I wrecked a dirt bike like the day before I did, um, uh, committed that crime. I don't remember that either. Mm. Uh, so like, I'm just like sitting there and just completely just like, um, at a loss. And that was so scary. Uh, to wake up somewhere and have no idea like how you got there, why you were there. Uh, you know, guards walk by and I'd be like, hey, 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 like, why am I here? Why am here? Finally, another one of the inmates was like, look, you put your papers under your pillow. So I look under this pillow and I'm on a mat now. I'm on a mat on the floor, okay. right? Like there's so many of us in there that the bunks are all taken. Uh, there's no room. So I'm just laying on a mat open in, in like the open area on a floor. Okay. And I start reading through the, my charges and just in my head, I'm just like, oh man, like, uh oh, like I did it this time. You know, like what is going on? I'm like, there's no way this happened. I need to talk to somebody. The first two weeks, I I basically didn't get to talk to anyone about it. So I'm just sitting there like, you know, trying to remember and I can't.
0: Man, that's, God, that just hearing you say that gives me some chills. Like that's really scary. Yeah, it gives me chills thinking about it. Like I'm thinking about like just knowing myself, how angry I would be, and and mm-hmm. and livid, and and now you're trapped. Like you're you're trapped. Literally, that's the point of jail. Um, shit, man. That's that's got to be is is that probably like some one of some of the worst moments of your life, right there. That that is by
1: far the it's it's the it's the second worst moment of my life uh life and the worst would be when i was actually sentenced that they devastated me
0: that's got to be horrible how how helpless was that because like you know you literally like you can't remember the event you have you have nothing probably for your own defense uh, when you're at trial. And I'm not trying to fetishize this in any way. It's just like, just hearing you say this again to me seems like that had to be one of the most helpless experiences like you a person could experience, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah, And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take the blame off of myself either and say like, oh, you know, I blacked out and I don't remember. Like, it's not my fault. It was my fault. I'm the one who got myself into that situation by abusing drugs. Right. Like my choices directly led me there. And that was something that at first I couldn't accept. Uh, And that was a huge part of my recovery uh, and a huge part of being able to turn my life around was taking ownership over those events. Um, but yeah, I felt very helpless um, for for about the first two years of my incarceration. Um, it really took a lot of work, and, and having that time being sober and letting letting the fog clear from my brain, and starting to think more analytically about it, be around people who are trying to improve, and they're trying to help me see the light. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was very. I felt yeah, I've never felt so helpless in my life, and I felt helpless. A bunch of
0: other times sure but nothing like that that's that's um that makes a lot of sense uh what you know i'm someone who for better or for worse is is towed the line my whole life in regards to that kind of thing so i don't have any personal experience at all with essentially our justice system like what 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 can you tell us about prison life that you're willing to share.
1: I I could just tell you that it's in a really bad place. Uh, The, the privatization of prisons uh, has turned incarceration into a source of revenue. Right. 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 And so like for us, when we think about revenue streams, right, like companies don't want those to get smaller.
0: Mm -hmm. They They want want those to get
1: larger. Yeah. 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 They want to make more money. Businesses want to make money. And they make money off of inmates. They make a ton of money off of inmates. They do it by cutting a lot of corners. Uh, They do it by basically using modern day slavery. Um, Mm -hmm. I work jobs where I would get paid like 15 cents an hour um, for like clearing, you know, um, uh, shrubbery and like garbage off the side of the roads or like laying asphalt. I was a welder and there I made $6 an hour, but like the average welder makes like between 18 and $30 an hour, you know? So they're taking all of that. There's no real programs for helping you. Um, uh, uh, you know, get, get ready for reentry into society. Uh, there's AA and NA, but a lot of those are based on um, volunteer. They're not, they're not from the prisons. And now there are some good things. I was able to take a lot of like uh, classes
0: okay, okay. Uh, and
1: do a lot of schooling. Yeah. And so just to roll back for a second, like the day I got sentenced was also the worst day and the best day okay. of my life. Okay. Uh, up to that point, um, because you know, I when I had been incarcerated in jail for a year, up until so that's just, they have a system. Like I was in jail, which is supposed to be a short term holding facility for a maximum of up to two months, uh, for a year. And wow. when you get to that point, you're just so ready to see sunshine, like and breathe fresh air. Cause I, I wasn't even outside. Like the most I ever got was to go into this room that had like a caged ceiling where I could see like you know, a four foot section, like of the sky. Wow. And like that, that was the most um, of the outside world I saw for about a year. That's crazy. Yeah. It was really crazy. Um, and so I was just ready to do anything. So like I probably could have gone to trial and got like a shorter sentence. Um, but yeah, no, you know, they offered me five to seven years. And like, I, I was like, oh, I just, I want to be like, I want to touch grass. So I'll take it. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so it was devastating. I realized like, you know, I just lost over half a decade of my life. And so when I was sitting back in the holding cell in the courthouse, you know, I just made like, you know, like a vow to myself, like, I will not waste this time. Like, I will take advantage of every opportunity that comes available to me while I'm incarcerated. So that when I get out. I'm as little behind as like I can possibly be. Does that make sure. sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense because yeah, I mean you're gonna be behind in, in all sorts of ways. I mean you already mentioned one all of all sorts of ways. You mentioned one of them being yeah. money, you know, like our yeah. our our prison system, uh exploits the uh, cheap labor of, of, of our inmates. Um, you're going to be behind perhaps in career. You're going to be behind in education yep. um, possibly. I mean, you said you, you had a lot of opportunity, but it's totally possible you could have been behind in that way. And that, that makes a lot of sense. So like this, this, esen- essentially the sentencing being the worst and best day just is this crystallizing moment in your life where, where like, it's like, it's like you get your shit together now, Or you're never going to get it together. Is that kind of the sense I'm getting?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, and like, honestly, even, even after that, it still took me a while to like, really, really flip all the switches. Like you're not just going to, you know, you build up habits over 20 something years of your life, you know, in a mindset.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And while you can have an impactful moment, you know, you're rock bottom where, where you're like, okay, I want to change, but that doesn't mean you instantly change. Right. right. So I still had a ton of work to do and I knew it was going to be a real big struggle, um, but yeah, but yeah, essentially that's it. So, it, you know, it was the worst day because up until sentencing to me. In a lot of ways, I was like, oh, you know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, they're going to take it easy on me. You know, everybody, it's interesting how jail works. You know, everybody's trying to pump you up and make you feel good. Nobody wants to be depressed, right? But like, you're all in a shitty situation. Right. You know, so like, yeah, man, you know, they're going to take it easy on you. This is like your first real offense, you know, so it should be fine. And man, when they came at me with that, with that plea bargain, and he was like, this is like the best you're going to get. If you don't take it, you could end up doing like 10 years or more. Wow. I, mean, I was like shook, you know. I was like, "Damn!" So yeah, I just took it. Sounded like the best deal that I could get.
0: Man, I, I don't think anyone blames you for for taking that deal. Like you're in a shitty situation. You're stuck in a jail, not a prison, and you know you're you're. Y- you need to make progress forward. Like, um, Mm -hmm. you're, you're at a time where like essentially you were stuck for a whole year, like literally, um, any progress forward is is probably better, uh, than, than none. Right.
1: Absolutely. And in jail, you have really nothing. So unless you have people on the outside, uh, you know, helping you, like you don't have access to books, Mm. uh, you know, you don't have money coming in to like get good shampoo or, you know, toothpaste or like any of that stuff. So you basically have like a pen and maybe once in a while you can get like a pad of paper and like, you know, like it's, it's jail. You're really stuck. Like that year, that year I lost, I, I didn't yeah. do it. You know, much of anything I was doing push ups and sit-ups and stuff, but like,
0: yeah, you know, that's it. I hear man. That's crazy. So Why don't we, uh, why don't we try and move this, uh, towards, you know, the positive direction that eventually it got to, you said you spent about two years in a fog, um, or like letting the fog clear might be more exactly what you said. When did the, when did you start to like, um, I guess, how did prison lead to software engineering? When did that, that start to happen for you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So like as I started to to take ownership of my life and my choices, like I always felt very uh, I grew up in like a family, a uh, uh, kind of like a laziness and entitlement, for lack of a better term. My parents weren't the best role models, and they've actually made strides uh, later on, and now they're they're, you know, doing well as well. But like, I always felt like like things were owed. Like, why why me? Why am I poor? Why why didn't I have these things as a kid? Why couldn't I afford mm. equipment to play sports? Like, you know what? Why did I have all these limitations? I felt like I was just owed the world. And so, really, you know, that first two years, like letting that fog clear, that essentially was me like removing those those uh, chips on my shoulders and those those negative thoughts and just incorrect thoughts and starting to realize that like the people and the more people that I talked to who I liked, like within the, the system, you know, cause there are some good people in the prison system. It's not all terrible, right. There's a lot of terrible, but there's some good. But the one thing that, that I noticed about all of them was like their hard work and drive. Like none of them came from families of money, you know, that had everything. None of them did that. But the one thing that they all had in common was they all worked their butts off. Uh, And so, you know, so for me also, you know, rolling back to my sentencing, when I said I take advantage of every opportunity, so I just started taking every course that came about and like web development was not the first, like uh, I'm actually certified um, uh, to do like heating and air, Mm, certified to do electrical work, yeah, HVAC, plumbing, carpentry, welding, uh, you know, so I just, Oh, a uh, dog training, like any course that, that came available, I would take, I would do landscaping, landscape design. Uh, and so they have like a lot of these jobs, uh, opportunities to like get this type of training. Uh, but it's kind of a double-edged sword. I'm just going to off to the side real quick on this because a lot of those places actually won't hire you though. Like mm. if you're a felon, right. Like within the first seven years of release. Sure. And I'll talk more about that later.
0: Yeah. I definitely want to get to that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so eventually I was just taking classes and it actually started out with like, I knew nothing about computers too. Uh, the most I ever did was like download songs from like, (laughs) uh, uh, LimeWire or like, uh, Napster Yeah, there you go. Yeah, right. So that's like all I knew. Um, So I just started taking like computer classes, learned how to use Word and Excel, learned how to type properly. Uh, You know, I was like pecking with my fingers. Mm. Uh, And so then I ended up taking like networking and IT. And then that led me into an intro to HTML and uh, CSS and JavaScript class. All right. And I was just like, yeah, I immediately fell in love. Um, You can't have the Internet So I started ordering books, just like random books. Like every once in a while, we'd get these magazines that had like a bunch of books you can order. I ordered a book on like XML. It's like not even used anymore, but I didn't know. I just (laughs) knew that it was related to web development. So I ordered any book I could get my hands on. Uh, My my teacher was awesome. uh, And uh, he would actually bring me in like just data. Just like data in a file, you know, like JSON file. Uh, And like, so I would just build websites. Like, I build a website for like a zoo. Wow. A website for all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And like, but you know, no internet. He taught me like the basics of JavaScript. Like, I'll, I'll never forget when I did my first hover event. Ooh. My mind was blown. I was like, this is so cool. And, uh, my whole life I've always been a builder. Uh, I love to build things. I loved carpentry. I loved all that stuff because it allowed me to create. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the instant feedback of web development just like sucked me in. I was so drawn to that. Um, yeah. And so like, that's essentially how I got my start. Uh, you know, and then upon release, uh, you know, I just kept hitting online tutorials reading blog posts, building websites and like just crawled my way up from there. You know, that's,
0: that's really, that's really quite incredible, especially just the, um, the intensity, it seems that you went into learning all these things. You know, I, I, I kind of have to ask, I feel like I have to, um, were you a good student before? Like, uh, were you a smart kid? Like before, like maybe some of these bad choices, like, or was it more like, like sobriety, uh, like a, a awakened a part of your mind that maybe you weren't exercising like you should have been before.
1: Yeah. I've, you know, I've had people say this to me a lot and even teachers. So to answer that shortly, no, I was not a good student. Uh, and I've had teachers tell me, they said you have no shortage of intelligence, but you just have zero drive and you're uneducated. Um, I I started skipping school in second grade uh, I started smoking weed and using drugs when I was 12. I started selling drugs when I was 14. Wow. This is not me bragging. No, it's just me talking it's about the truth. My bad choices. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: It's the truth and it's the bad choices. I never graduated high school. I barely, uh, studied enough to get my GED when I was 17. I would work two jobs like, uh, you know, like at one at McDonald's and then one during the day, like doing construction or something like that. And that's how I got by. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've never had a problem with intelligence. Like I, I, I learn quickly. I pick things up very quickly. Um, but yeah, uh, and across all things, whether it's like math or like building a house, you know, I'm lucky in, in that I can learn well. Um, but yeah, I, I never applied myself until then. Gotcha. That's the difference. Gotcha.
0: And that, that makes sense to me. Um, You know, and I think that's actually something I think I hope the audience understands, like, like, you know, uh, people getting into coding. M- the vast majority of people i meet are more than intelligent enough uh to get into his career they just need uh some luck and the hard work and drive to make that change so that makes sense to me yeah the next the next thing that kind of i want to unpack out of of that big big uh time of learning for you is like how many years of of coding had you been doing in prison before you were released I only got to do two courses. So six months, six months. Okay. Six months. I did intro one and intro two. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, okay. But in six months you were hooked. Like the instant feedback of that had you hooked, right?
1: I was hooked from, from day one. Uh, like literally, seriously, I, I knew right then. So all the other stuff I was like, okay. So my goal was this, like by, by covering all those programs was like, I have to be able to land a job in at least one of these things. Sure. If I know how to do all of them, then that increases each new skill that I learn you know, exponentially increases my chance of being successfully employed upon release.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and the scale of the challenge of being employed as a felon requires exponential opportunity, right? Because it's, it's so difficult. Let's, let's get into that. Like you're released. Uh, how many years total did you spend in prison? Six years and eight months. It's, it's, That sucks. That's, that's all I could say about that. But yeah. Including jail
1: time. That's, that's all of it rolled together.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, I was released January, uh, January 10th, 2010.
0: Okay. Okay. Almost, almost nine years to the day we're recording this. So, um, so you get released, you have all these budding skills, uh, a lot of certifications, um, what was that like? What was being released like?
1: Uh scary. That was another scary day. I had a really hard time at first getting um back to used to how people react with each other and deal with each other in society. Mm. Um, you know, that was probably my largest hurdle. I felt I don't even know, I man. I just felt like an alien, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh yeah. And uh, yeah, seeking employment was just about impossible. Right. I have all these skills and every place that I would go to has that checkbox. Have you committed a felony in the last seven years? Have you been released from prison within the last seven years? So I saw I was checking yes on, them, you know, and uh, I would never get called back. Right. And I said, well, I'm going to like starve to death or have to turn to crime uh, to live. So I need to figure something out. So what I started doing was just checking no. And I would work at these places for two to three weeks. And then they'd be like, your background check came back. And, you know, I'm sorry, but you you lied. We have to fire you. And I'm like, yeah, well, I wouldn't have got the call back. But now I have two to three weeks worth of pay. So I would just constantly be applying at new jobs. Okay. Okay. Uh, And so I was doing this while going to college too for graphic design. I started going, it was like the closest that they had around me. They had like a, a web design associates degree, which had some coding classes. Okay. So yeah, I was trying to learn coding on my own. I would work a part time job until I was fired. Uh, and then I would just keep jumping from job to job to job. Like you should have seen what it was like for me to fill out my taxes in 2011, 2012, <laughs> and 2013.
0: How many jobs do you think you did in, on average in those years?
1: Man, at least at, uh, I would say at least 11 or 12 a year. Generally you get a couple weeks. Yeah, sometimes shorter, sometimes a few days. Sometimes I'd be unemployed for
0: a couple weeks. That's crazy. Um, and that's a pretty typical experience though right that that you know oh yeah and, and it's kind of um it, it goes back to it's it's cultural it's how we treat prisoners in in general yeah. and, and and it's it's how we uh it's it's our lack of understanding of the in, the intent for rehabilitation of of people cuz we don't really we don't really value that maybe as highly as, as, as we should or need to. So, I mean, you're someone who's busted your ass. You've learned all these skills you're capable. Mm -hmm. Um, And the best chance of you like avoiding recidivism is to actually have work and yet you can't find work. So
1: yeah. And honestly, the people who are coming out are, are going to be your hardest workers. Like, I felt like I had so much to prove to the world. Like, I'm not just this criminal. Like, I'm not no. a criminal. I'm just no. a person and I'm ready to work and I'm ready to work hard. And like, I want to build a life. Right. Uh, and, you know, when no one gives you that chance and those doors just close and close, I and mean, it is demoralizing.
0: How did you how did you deal with that? How did you keep your head up?
1: You know, if it weren't for uh, my family, which I had lost, but like as I started writing them letters and they could see like the more and more clear thought and like I'm sending home my certifications and stuff. So, yeah, I was living with my grandmother uh, uh, when I got out. But, you know, she, again, she doesn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. She couldn't afford to feed me. She mm-hmm. couldn't afford to do that. She couldn't afford the increase in electricity, you know, and like her bills because I'm now staying there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, but, you know, it was just that, man, just, you know, crying on, on my grandma's shoulder and just being like you know what what the hell like i don't know if i could do this anymore and you know and just you know and then my brothers and my sister just rallying and being like yo think of think of how hard you worked and how how much you were able to thrive in prison if you can thrive in prison you can thrive in this world you know and so you know it just you just gotta grit you know grit and bear it essentially uh and it doesn't get better uh you know I've, I've always had a fear every time I apply for a job, which now I don't, I'm past that, that limitation. Now I pass background checks. I and mean, it's fine. Um, but you know, up until 2017, that was a big concern for me. Every time I would get a job, I would never celebrate until my butt was in that seat and I knew they weren't going to come and do a background check on me.
0: Sure. Sure. That makes sense. So you go through these years. Well, one, I'm really glad that you had had family there for you. I know a lot of people, I I don't know them personally, but like I'm I'm sure a lot of people don't, they don't have a support system and that's why recidivism happens and people wind back up in the prison system and they're just stuck there. It's, you know, they, they, they never find a real way out. Um, So I'm super thankful you had that and I'm sure you are too. Um, What started to make the difference though? You know, you spent these years doing these, Uh, part-time jobs, uh, trying like getting a job and getting fired, getting a job and getting fired. Like something had to change. What, what, what started to turn the, the ship around, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the, I spent those years, you know, just uh, honing my craft for lack of a better term, just working on web development, you know, like watch video tutorials on jQuery and stuff. And I built up like a portfolio of like non-existent things. Like I would literally just build websites for companies and do stuff. Eventually I landed a job at a company called gold mobile, um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it was my first tech job. And so, oh, this is actually a great story. So, okay. uh, you know, I was like, I'm super excited. I'm about to start as a developer. And it's so funny because this time I was starting to celebrate. And they come to me about a week after I started. Uh, and they're like, hey, we forgot to give you the paperwork for your background check. We have to run your background check. And I was like, shoot, here we go. Um, So what I did was I went home uh, that night. I was working on a project. They wanted me, it was like when jQuery mobile first started coming out. And so they were experimenting with it and they wanted to test its capabilities. And they had given me like three weeks to complete this project. Uh, I finished it that very night. And so I brought it into my boss in the morning and I said, look, my background check is going to come back and, you know, you're going to see that I was just released from prison, you know, about two years ago, two and a half years ago. I was like, but here's your project. And this is what I'm willing to do, you know, for you mm-hmm. on the regular, like I will work, you know, myself to death, like to, to stay in this job. And so they had like this big meeting and like, you know, and I can't explain how that makes you feel as a person, as these people are just like in a room, like deciding whether or not that you're good enough as a human being right. to work with. Right. Right. Um, after already proving that you are. Yeah. And it's just soul crushing, you know? Um, and the only person you have to blame is yourself. Uh, and you know, so you know, it's just, it's crazy. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, that was, that was pretty rough. Uh, and then even then I, I got the, they they kept me on. Right. You know, they took a chance with me and, uh, they kept me on. That's and so, yeah, so I got to work, but still it was hard to be there because everybody knew now, you know, I feel like everybody looked at me differently. People acted differently around me. Like it was noticeable.
0: That's uh, um, that sucks. Cause you got to experience like a short time of, a very short time of just being a dev. And now, yeah. now you became a, yeah. uh, uh, an and ex-con that's a dev, you know, or, or something like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, and so I stayed there for about nine months and like it just like, it was wearing on me, my mm-hmm. anxiety, like just not being comfortable and I talked to my boss about it And he's like, I'm just going to help you find another job. Hopefully, we can help you find somewhere that won't do background checks. And I I did. I found another job closer to where I was living at a company called Live Technology. Okay. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I worked there for a while. Uh, And, you know, they didn't do a background check. Everything was fine. And from there, it was just like finding places, like, you know, applying at jobs and, hoping they didn't do background checks uh, up until now. Now I'm fine. Now I can apply anywhere, and I'm not scared of that anymore.
0: That's awesome. I'm, I'm really glad that you're at that point now. Um, you're probably also at that point, just in terms of network and and public recognition, um, you eventually landed a job at um, MLS, right? Like I think that's been one of your yeah. more prominent positions and definitely the one that put you on... My radar with all the work that you're doing there. Why can we talk about that job a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a good, fantastic job. A fantastic team of people. Um, yeah, so I was hired there as one of like the first internal um, uh, engineers. They, you know, a lot of the stuff at MLS to that point had been done through contract, like third party right. um, services or vendors. And yeah, so uh, I was responsible with helping them build up the, uh, the UI team. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, that job as well um, I, I, uh, you know Yeah, man, I, I just like Got to meet so many great people So to be more specific um, uh, I ended up working with Like Peggy Reyes uh, Aaron Fox, Samantha uh, Bertrand uh, Jake Dawkins, all these people are now like You know, off doing uh, really amazing Stuff, right. but yeah, that was um, Almost my way of like Getting to like, I don't know, like come to like make even with, with my demons, like being able to help other people succeed. Um, There's like something about teaching others that I find super rewarding. Uh, And, and, you know, it, it was such a struggle for me to start. And I just never want to see anybody have to struggle. And like, sure, you know, uh, they probably didn't have you know backgrounds as dicey as mine, but that doesn't mean that the industry is easy for people that haven't been incarcerated. Sure. This can be a very tough industry, no matter who you are. Sure. So just any way to be able to help people. And another thing is like once I really found myself, I mean, it's very easy for me to be very honest both about like my strengths and weaknesses and just with other people Mm -hmm. and after being under the microscope for so long you kind of develop a tough skin right right uh so i didn't mind being you know just candid or or uh you know completely bluntly honest with people about things so i think that that job worked out really well because my boss uh was very also easy to be very truthful with uh and he would take in to consideration, everything that I said, mm. uh, Brian Asnar is a great guy. And, uh, yeah. And so it just like really allowed me to thrive there, sure. you know?
0: Sure. That makes sense to me. Why don't we start to like kind of tie these pieces together? Um, because this, um, you talking about this to me in, in private over the years is, is kind of been some of my, um, some of the reason I want to bring you on this show is because like, what did the time, being incarcerated like what kind of lessons did you learn during that time and I don't just mean the education I mean those um maybe maybe even people skills if you could call it that that you developed there uh, or leadership skills that um really started to apply in the workplace uh where did where do those two things connect for you
1: yeah, that's a really, really uh, good question. And so a lot of it does have to do with communication, okay uh, and, under, and, and empathy. Uh, so one of the things that you know being incarcerated and being around a lot of other people, that are incarcerated. So like before I was locked up, I kind of had the same view of people who went to prison, you know, like, Oh, you know, it's like, you know, they they commit crimes, like, you know, they're criminals. Like, you know, most of them probably don't care about society, but like you get to learn that like everyone has their own struggle and everybody's had different situations that lead them to where they are. Uh, and so it's very easy for me to put myself into somebody else's shoes now. Uh, and I think that because of that, that also helps create trust and, and comfort and security. People like know that I'm, I care about them you know, on a very personal level uh, and that I'm literally trying to put myself into their shoes and see things from their perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it just makes it so much easier for me to uh, get a point across or help somebody come to a realization on something. And then another skill that I picked up uh, in prison that will never leave me, which is amazing, is just being able to read people's body language. Mm. And in prison, it's for survival because uh, you don't know right, right. what anyone is thinking around you. Um, but in the job world, that is super important to be able to understand how people are feeling. And so to take this to like you know a conceptual level, it might be I want to ask my boss for a raise, right? Right. But when I walk up, I notice that they're typing harder on the keyboard, okay? or they're constantly going, or, or I'm trying to talk to them, but they're, you know, so they're probably frustrated, right? Like, that's not a time to be talking about money. Yeah. Or I want to bring up something about like some architectural choice or something that's going to take a few minutes. And they're listening to me, but I can see that they're Feet are pointed in a different direction, I'm probably holding them up. They need to go somewhere else. And like, it's like these micro cues. When I walk up to somebody and their eyebrows just raise a little or their shoulders raise a little, in some way their body fights gravity, it probably means that they're actually happy to see me in some way. Uh, you know, if things get tight or drawn, they probably don't want me in their face right now. And so, like, those things have been very helpful. And like I said, I really enjoy helping other people succeed. And I think that those skills have helped me know when to push and when to chill out. You know, does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: I was going to say, I would definitely say that uh, those are the skills that I have found most useful. And then just my eagerness to learn new things. That's something that's new to me. I never had that my whole life. Uh, And so, you know, in our field, you know that's imperative like that literally learning is your real job you know right right uh and, and yeah and so yeah just that that drive and hunger to constantly learn new things that that helps a lot
0: right that's really interesting like all of them are uh, especially the body language one to me um and and the reason that's kind of partially interesting to me is kind of this touches on something you have experience with. I have experience with and, and probably something the audience is certainly interested in. But, uh, MLS, if, if, if I'm not mistaken is, was a job in office. They don't do any remote employees, but then you went to a company at, at Gatsby that's fully remote. Um, how does that uh, ability to like read people like and, and their tells like was there any challenge with that uh, working remotely, or are there new tricks that you picked up? like do you have anything you could add to that? Yeah,
1: yeah, there are some new tricks, so like when when it, everything is remote when when all communi- most communication uh, is happening through some form of text, mm-hmm. the one thing that you should never do is read context in a message. Mm just read it flat like 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 you're you know like it's just data uh and then if if you need to know how someone's feeling like even though you're in a remote company it doesn't mean you never see anymore right so you know a lot of times that involves video calls or being together for like gatherings and stuff like that and so all those skills still come into place but like if i'm unsure about how somebody Intended for a message to come across, I immediately default to no ill intent, right? Like it's just a message that didn't mean anything. Yeah, it might be a little short, but maybe they're rushed on time. Who knows why? So I never ever try and read context out of any type of. Uh, you know, written communication.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That's a good tip. I think for a lot of people um, out there and, and definitely for um, whether it's work or whether it's Twitter or, or something like that. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about that ability to constantly like learn new things. Do you think you always had that and just didn't know it? Or do you think prison itself, like, like lit, basically lit a fire under your ass that, that hasn't gone out? It's
1: one and two. So like, you know, it's like I said, I've never had an issue with intelligence. You know, even my teachers would tell me growing up like you're plenty smart, you're plenty capable, but yeah, prison is what unlocked that door and actually gave me that drive. Not even so much prison, but coming to the realization that like hard work pays off, Right. you know, and, and, and you should always be eager to expand your view of the world. Mm. And so that also came, you know, a lot from prison, like, you know, the view of our world is only based off of what we know, right? So the more that you know, the more broader a view you can have of this world. Uh, so you never gotta stop. You just can't stop learning. You know, once you do, you know that you know that's you know it's just it's no good. You stop learning, your your view of the world stops growing. You become set in certain ways, and like things change. And what what was good yesterday might not be good tomorrow. And what was acceptable yesterday might not be acceptable tomorrow.
0: Right. Right. Right what's it feel like to be on this side of success to have gone from that shitty place to a place where like you know people uh know your name you know know the good work that you've done like how does that feel
1: i would love to tell you that like oh it feels great and like every day is like i'm just like laying down (laughs) you know on a rainbow you know with clouds but like I still deal with depression I still have hard days I still struggle to me the world doesn't really seem like that um, you know, I've struggled with depression my whole life uh, and like you know 2018 was a terrible year for me yeah terrible yeah, yeah. Uh, you know I got to some pretty bad places uh, and I've been working really hard to come back up out of that and that, that's after finding success right you know and, and, and some of my best days I was incarcerated some of the days when I had the best view of the life and where I was the happiest. Was actually, you know, still incarcerated. That's interesting. Um, yeah. 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 Cause it's, 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 it's about you and your mindset and like, you know, finding the good in things, you know, the little things. And it's really, it's just like mindset. And over 2018, my mindset really started to, to get down, which is when, you know, at the beginning when I was talking about uh, fitness and CrossFit enthusiasts, uh, that's something that's been really helping me, uh, you know, uh, just like, Getting back to decent physical condition, so honestly, like web development has been really rough on my body. You know, I went from being Same. in like great shape. You know, I was in prison. Yeah, I had nothing else to do, so I worked out constantly. And then when I got a development job, I just like slipped into all those bad habits: sitting on the computer until two a.m. You know, crushing cans of soda and like eating pizza every day. Uh, it takes a terrible toll on you. And as someone who deals with depression heavily. I can't let myself slide into those situations because all those bad thoughts come back, uh, you know, and all that, all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's a battle, but I must say like, I didn't get as deep as I normally, you know, would in the past, things are getting better, but no, I mean, you know, actually somebody tweeted today uh, that I was their inspiration because they have a similar background. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. 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 And that stuff like that made my year, like just, and that's why, you know, it's like so important that I keep fighting through the struggle. I try to share as much of my struggles as possible because I'm not the only one, right? you know, there's other people who are out there struggling too. And, you know, you just, you know, but yeah, I, I am happy. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm happy with my life and I can't believe that I'm here, but it doesn't mean that it's all rainbows for me now. Yeah.
0: No no I get you. I think I think that man there's so much for me to unpack in that and I I think there's probably a lot for the audience to unpack in that. So give me a moment. I'm going to try because like one um I think I really relate to Some of what you said, I I struggled with depression a lot as a kid myself. Um, I attempted suicide when I was younger and luckily failed. Looking back at it, you know, right? Um, And and even even to this day, like I'm with you, right? Being a dev has been one of the greatest things in my life, but it's still challenging, even physically. Like uh, my back. Uh, I I recently injured my back in uh and and you know it's partly because I sit in this position all day so I I totally get it like in in that regard and as far as 2018 I'm actually working on my own recap of 2018 and it's one of my it's probably one of my shittiest years uh, as as well so yeah. I'm with you and and what I love about what I love about that and that we share that is like two things we share uh, a passion for sharing our challenges with other people because we know that it helps others. We know that like, like this to me personally, it's like this, this curation of every nice thing, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook is, is kind of bullshit. Like there is, there's a facade to that when the real stuff is like, we all have good times. We all have bad times. And I want you to feel like that. It's okay to be a human who experiences both. And that's why I share. And I think that's why you share as well. And I, I, absolutely yeah. And the last thing, sorry, it's so much, but you said so many good things in there. The, the last thing is like, I want to, I want the audience to know from what you just said that like, when you're making this change, even after you've made this change, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. There are still going to be tough days. You're going to doubt yourself. You're going to, you're going to have struggles. That doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're not cut out for this. It just means that's life that's that's the human experience right
1: yeah absolutely and yeah and it you know and it's it's interesting like when you brought up like twitter and instagram and like i i get that right like i feel the same way like you generally only see half of of the coin right Mm -hmm. and it's not because people um are like only you know trying to portray themselves as something but it's just oftentimes it's much easier to share your successes than it is to share your struggles. Sharing your struggles is like opening your chest and saying like, Hey, you know, here it is. Here's all of it. Right. And that's, that's not always easy to do. And uh, it's like I said, when I released that article, man, I sweated over that publish button for like a good long time days, days it took me to get the courage to publish that article. Uh, and I was terrified afterwards, literally terrified. What's been the response to it? It's, it's been, it's been majority of it has been positive. Okay. Uh, you know, a majority has been positive. You'll always have some people that just don't agree with you. And that's another thing that you have to learn to accept. Sometimes people just don't see things the same way that you do. And that's okay. Uh, you know, that was hard for me, but yeah, it's been, you know, I, honestly, like if I hadn't have released That article and I hadn't been so forthcoming um, with my background, which also I was only able to do once I had elevated myself to a certain level within the community and like being known as a developer. Like if I had done that right away, then, you know, it probably would have been a foot gun, right? Like if I come right out talk about this. No one's going to want to hire me. And it's also part privilege, right? Like I'm a middle-aged white male, you know, you have like, you know, the same thing, black or Hispanic people trying to accomplish the same goal and it might not work out as well for mm, them. Right. You know, it's, and and so, you know, acknowledging that and uh, uh, knowing that it, you have to be in a certain space to be able to do it. But I want, you know, everyone out there to, to know that if you're in a similar situation, you can make it through, you can succeed in this industry and you can, you know be yourself and open yourself up you know with your struggles uh, it's not always gonna be pretty uh, but you know it it's definitely one of the most relieving things I've sure, ever done sure. uh, I don't have to lie mm. uh, anymore which is just alone amazing that takes a
0: terrible toll you know I I can't I can't imagine that that has yeah that has to be quite the relief I I, I get that let's try and let's try and move this in kind of the final direction uh, of the podcast where I I generally I I like to ask my guests and I like to ask you, Curtis, like, what advice do you have for my audience that that might be going through a career change? Uh, Hopefully they're not making the change you did. Um, But, you know, they're they're trying to become software engineers and web developers. What advice or tips do you maybe have for them?
1: Yeah, a couple um, that I have is uh, the first one is going to be, you know, try to find someone who you feel like you can either relate to or speak to. Right, it doesn't necessarily have to be a mentor, um, but when you're getting started in this field, I know especially for me, there was a lot of times where I almost gave up. Uh, you know, I wasn't really aware of the community, um, as a whole. Uh, and so like, I think just finding someone who's a little more in tune with like what's going on can be like a real lifesaver. It's like having the lighthouse to make sure you don't hit the rocks, right. you know? Um, uh, because it gets really tough sometimes. Uh, what, what should I learn? Should I be learning Python? Should I be learning front end? Should I be learning back end? Like, you know, and I think another little part of that is like, um, to the previous devices like that willingness to try new things and learn new things. It doesn't mean learn them in depth, but if you're unsure, try a little bit of it all. Uh, You know, when you're starting out your career, there's probably no better time. Now you might be pressed to find a job. uh, And I get that the struggle can be very real, but like, if you have that ability, like if you don't know if you should be learning front end or back end, just try a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, look for the tools that will help you do these things very easily Um, You know, like Glitch will allow you to set up apps and and work with them really quickly or a code sandbox. You know, you can look at what other people did uh, who have come before you. And then, yeah, and then I would say my other bit of advice uh, is work on your communication skills, you know, whether they're already good or, or you have no idea how your communication skills are. Communicating and being able to speak to other people and understand how other people are feeling I think has been, uh, my strongest help aside from learning technology. Like I really think it's my interactions with people that have helped me
0: get where I am. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Can you, um, I, you know, just knowing you, I, I, I met you first through Twitter and, and and we got to know each other. What, what can you add to that about maybe how to build uh, a network? Uh, I think, I think a lot of people who are, um, trying to make a change, like you mentioned, you know, you need to find people to relate to, like, do you have anything you could add in that regard in how to build up those kind of networks?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, um, what I would do essentially when I first like st- started trying to get into the the whole network and you know the community of uh, you know developers was I w- I would start to you know just like start searching for keywords like of things that I'm working on front end JavaScript CSS and then I would see who was talking about that and I would read their tweets and like if they resonated with me or I thought that person seemed to interact well with other people. I would follow them and then I would see like who they were talking to and I would just start to follow them. And so then the last part is like, you have to overcome the fear. If it's there, it's not there for everyone of like putting yourself out there. It all comes back to like communication and being able to put yourself out there. I just started talking to people, asking questions on Twitter and it's very slow. Like my, my you know, growth in the community has happened over what, well, like the course of like, you know, six years. Right.
0: You just got to put in the work. You you just got to keep working on it. Got to put in the work. Got to be patient. Curtis, thank you so much for joining me today. Your story is um, incredible. I think you're an incredible person. And I'm just really glad uh, that you shared it with the Second Career Devs audience. Thank you.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me on. Uh, It's been an absolute blast. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of this podcast. And uh, yeah, you know, I want to get this out to as many people because I just know that so many people struggle with a lot of things. And, uh, you know, it's nice to hear other people struggle too.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for listening to another episode of Second Career Devs. If you liked the episode, consider sharing it with your friends, writing a review or both. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Second Career Devs is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and more. If you're not already doing so, follow Second Career Devs on Twitter at Second Career Devs. That's 2ND Career Devs. Twitter told me Second Career Devs was too long of a handle, so I had to break branding and go with the number first. That's 2ND Career Devs. I tweet when new episodes are out and about upcoming projects for Second Career Devs. Get involved in the conversation happening over there. If you're interested in being a guest on the show and think you have a great career change story to share, please send me an email at secondcareerdevs at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your story and see if you might be a good fit for the show. Lastly, Second Career Devs is looking for people and businesses interested in sponsoring episodes. At the moment, sponsorship enables Second Career Devs to get transcripts made for each episode and will enable more exciting things in the future. Send me an email at secondqueerdevs at gmail.com if you're interested. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye. Live long and prosper.